0: Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy, and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.
2: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
3: Former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSN, the sports betting network.
4: Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome into the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM alongside Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. We got Stephanie Kamershack at the controls. Lots of NFL talk and draft news to get to throughout the course of the next couple hours, but also plenty of NBA. And what a night it was last night, Michael. My goodness.
1: Yeah, I mean, where were the Hawks? Where were they? I saw the Hawks lose to all the backups of the 76ers. With Trey Young on the court, mm-hmm. and they come out and play like that against Miami, wow, that was impressive. No, I mean, seriously, I, that that was a hard one to really understand. If you're Miami, like where did that come from?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Hawks were a five-point dog in the game. They end up getting the win outright, 116-105,
1: even though they're trading the team away, Michael, remember? Um, yeah, I know. That's <laughs> the other factor that you, we talked about. Like, Obviously, I don't think the players care. Maybe they want to get traded. I don't know.
4: It was pretty crazy, though, looking through some of the numbers and – Obviously, so much was made out of Trey Young and his performance against Miami last year in the postseason, but ended up with 25 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. He went over his points prop with two free throws left and 32 seconds to go in the game. Uh, I think Tim Murray had his under. He was upset about that one on Twitter. Um, But they led by as many as 24. Their bench outscored the Heat 53-37. Points in the paint 64 to 46, out rebounded them 63 to 39, and second chance points 26 to 6. It was all Hawks.
1: And, and the fact they shot 25% from the three-point yep. line and they still dominate the game. I mean, think about that. They they don't even make the threes. They're they're not shooting the threes well in the game, and yet they win the game. They run away with the game. And so, you know, I mean, JVT's been saying this Miami team hasn't been very good and they're not. This was another indication. I mean, give the Hawks credit. I never saw this. Quinn Snyder. You know, we talk about coaching, we thought Spolster would have an advantage in this, but Quinn Snyder's a really good coach mm-hmm. too. And obviously, they were rope-a-dope in there at the end of the year, right?
4: Yes, sir. Uh, oddsmaker is giving them no faith it seems against the Celtics though as they move yeah. on, they're plus 650, the C's think minus 1000 favorite. Think Miami would have rather
1: pl- now, Miami doesn't want to play Milwaukee if they get in.
4: I, you don't want to, play. I mean, the East is just juggernaut after juggernaut. I feel rather, like you don't want you to play Miami, any of them.
1: would you rather have played Boston? Like, I, I mean, there's a, could there be a narrative? I mean, I'm a conspiracy theorist. Uh, could there have been like, maybe they didn't want to beat, maybe they would rather have be, played Milwaukee. I don't think so.
4: I don't think so. But now they still have to play another game because it's going to be winner go home for them here right. pretty soon. Right. So I'd be – I don't know. I'd be scared either way. They're going to face the winner of the Bulls-Raptors game right, that's so coming what do you up tonight. Like here
1: on this board here? We got the – you know, you're, mm. you're, you love this gambling stuff here. Well, would you take Celtics at, at 4-2 or, or 4-1? Uh, you think Celtics sweep them?
4: I don't think it's a sweep. So I wouldn't I wouldn't take the plus 230 with the four zero
1: exact score. Um, I think I'd go plus – I'd go the plus 190. Why, it's still plus money here. I think I would do that. That
4: the Hawks can get one win, get a win at home, but the Celtics – Otherwise, well, holding court. Lean,
1: I, to me, it's either four one or four zero. I think those. I think the odds are set perfectly. I might take a risk at four zero. I mean, look, the Celtics are going to want to make hay of this to rest up a little bit. You know, to it's get the... so
4: hard to sweep a team, but yeah.
1: I... When you're the better team, it isn't. Yeah. When you're the much better team, it shouldn't be.
4: I definitely know that I'm not taking the plus six fifty on the Hawks. So Caesar are a minus thousand favorite for a reason. One of the favorites to win the whole dang thing. Um, the like I said, the Heat are gonna face the winner of tonight's Bulls Raptors game. Bulls are getting six in Toronto total 212 and a half and then on the other side of last night a uh, wild one
1: wait a minute you need a drum roll here for your <laughs> absolute
4: we, we won the teaser ladies and gentlemen I mean you were so uh. embarrassed by
1: teasing it and then you end up coming out with a big win
4: well well and like we and talked you got about
1: overtime and you still get the under in we...
4: <laughs> I know which I was actually pretty scared about but the fourth quarter there was like no scoring well,
1: I mean Minnesota has nobody to blame but themselves you score 12 points in the fourth quarter who are you beating
4: how do you expect to well They went like six straight minutes without a point. They scored 16 points the last 16 minutes of the game. Well, you
1: score 12 points of the fourth at a 12-minute period. You're getting a point a minute? I mean, that's not very good.
4: No, I I wouldn't (laughs) recommend that in the future, uh, Minnesota, as you move forward here. But the Lakers end up winning 108-102 in overtime. So, obviously, they don't cover the 8.5. So, I guess teasing the number down ended up being a, a smarter play. Shout out our guy, Will Hill, who did have both, Dogs yesterday that he gave out on the program, those come through on the spread. Both games also went under. but
1: the under in this game really wasn't in in overtime. It never even got close to this. It wasn't even a a, a tough one.
4: Didn't even need the extra points. Never in doubt. Um, Charles Barkley, I laughed as soon as the game ended on TNT. They go to the studio, and Charles
1: Barkley immediately just goes, that was some horrible basketball. (laughs) I, I think he's right. I think he's right. I mean, we're watching two bad teams play, right? And we're sitting here, and because they're in Laker uniforms, we think they're good, and they got LeBron, one of the greatest players of all time. But are they any good? Well, so, but it takes overtime to beat Milwaukee on your home court without
4: Rudy Gobert, without, without McDaniel. I mean, if
1: McDaniel, just say Rudy didn't, you know, if McDaniel's doesn't punch the wall, they might win this game. It's So silly
4: the way all of this played out. LeBron and AD did have good statistical performances and credit LeBron for what he did late in this game to help them just come roaring back down as many as 15 with like six or so minutes left in the third quarter. But he had 30 and 10, six assists as well. AD, 24 points, 15 boards, three blocks. And so Schroeder... He, he had he a good you. day. I know this. He annoyed he you. He hits the important three at the end of the game. But yes, he was bugging the hell out of me. How are you down ten points? You hit a three and think you're God's gift to this earth with the dancing and with the ice in your and veins. it's okay.
1: I say that, and I'm old school. See, I I agree with you. You say that you're you're young. I'm old. You know that this is like. I think you're right. I think you got to play with poise, play within yourself. A question I want to ask you is this: is if LeBron I know it was an overtime game so we played 47 minutes but LeBron played I think 45 of the 47 minutes total
4: um let me see I didn't no, I didn't look at it is no 53
1: minutes total so it's 53 LeBron played 40
4: 45 th- minutes yeah
1: of the 53 yep there's that's not sustainable you're that's 20 not,
4: in the nba playing that is 45 not sustainable. minutes in I a don't game. care if yeah. you
1: have a day off between games that's not sustainable there's no way he's going to be able to play at his age at that level against the, as the competition rises. Like to me, that was the most telltale sign of this game. Is it took they needed to put the throttle all the way down to beat a bad Minnesota team, and LeBron had to play 45 out of 53 minutes.
4: Yet, look at the series odds for the Lakers against the Grizz. The number two seed, mind you, in the Western Conference, they're only a minus 120 favorite in the series, Lakers plus 105. There has been so much talk about this Lakers team because of the pieces that they have. And LeBron and AD, and they're healthy, and they're playing together. They they can beat anybody. Look at that number.
1: I, I think I would take the Grizz
4: 4-2. I like that, plus 350. But, I mean, even at minus 125 for them just to win no, the in The
1: Grizz 4-2 is plus 700. Oh, sorry. Is it really? Yeah, that's the Lakers. Oh, so you they even got you swept into it. They did. It. Yeah. I, I mean, I just think the longer these go, the wear and tear. I mean, the guy's 20 years in the league. He can't play all these games. They're minutes.
4: saying the Grizz 4-2 is a longer shot than the Lakers to win 4-2? Yeah. But, uh, okay. All
1: right. There you go. All right. she's uh, Stormy I'm will in. be right back. She's headed to the, window right, <laughs> headed to the window right oh, now. Sign me up for that She's headed to the window right now.
4: By the way, what happened? Like, How does Anthony Davis make that foul? With 1.4 seconds to go on the inbound play?
1: I, 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 You know, it's the NBA. I have no idea how they do that. I have no idea how they do that.
4: That was shocking to me that you have the win within your grasp. I, and you foul on that to give Conley three foul shots.
1: You know, it's like sometimes there is, the Parcells used to say this all the time, we're too stupid to be any good. We're too stupid to be any good. And he was talking about his team. He wasn't talking about his... sometimes teams are too stupid to be any good. They do stupid things at the wrong time. And you, you can't blame Ham, the coach. It's just he got to know better than that. You got to be a smarter, instinctive player. Like what could – what's the worst thing that could happen here? Me foul the guy on a three-point shot.
4: Exactly. Like that's the worst case scenario. That's the worst thing you can do. And I did think that Conley was going to miss that first free throw because it did the bounce, um, but ends up going in. He makes the next two. They tie the game. Go to overtime. Um, But then that was all she wrote. The Lakers end up closing this thing out. And credit them. Think about that.
1: Think about what you just said there. They needed. They needed. They needed Anthony Davis's stupid foul to get over double digits in the fourth quarter.
4: Yes. Which another stat I saw, this is the 19th time this season the Timberwolves had a double-digit lead and lost the game, tied with the Blazers for the most in the NBA. Okay, I guess it's not technically tied because these play-in-game stats don't count for... For regular season or playoffs, right? They're their what, own they just entity. Go away?
1: They just go away. They're yeah. just
4: in oblivion. These. <laughs> I mean, they we're <laughs> just
1: supposed to ignore them. I mean, seriously. But
4: Minnesota just kept giving the Lakers chances, and LA took advantage. They end up winning the game, so they're moving on to face the Grizz. The Timberwolves are going to go home face the winner of tonight's Pelicans OKC game. That matchup for the eight seed will take place on Friday, and the winner gets the Nuggets, the Thunder tonight are getting five-and-a-half points um, in uh, that one, total 227. I mean,
1: if you're the Timberwolves, you, Anthony Edwards scores, what, nine points? Yeah. Eights. I mean, like, you can't. Three
4: I mean, for 17 from the floor, Michael. I
1: mean, that's the problem. And, you know, they, they end up shooting 43% for the game. Think about that. You have yeah. a guy who shoots three for 17, and your team still shoots 43% from the from the field. You know that—that's at the end of the day. That's where you're saying, "Oh my gosh, what what did we do?" He gets nine points. He gets three of them from the free throw line. And so he scores six mm-hmm. points outside the free throw line. That, you know, that's when your best player doesn't play his best.
4: Oh for nine from three, scoreless in the fourth quarter when they needed him most.
1: Everybody was scoreless in the fourth yeah. quarter. I mean, let's <laughs> be clear. I just can't single him out.
4: That's bad, Michael. Um that's bad. So yeah, we'll see if they're going to be able to ultimately make a spot in the postseason or not, um, because now it's one more game and winner goes home.
1: Is Gobert going to play the next one?
4: I think so. Right. I think he was just suspended for the one.
1: Right. And but so, I mean, they should be able to, be, I mean, look Zion. We'll got to talk mm-hmm. about that. when We mm-hmm. come back from the break. Did you read his commentary? Yes, sir. It's not his hamstring. It's just not Zion.
4: And uh, we will discuss uh, the I games don't know
1: what tonight. That means. You have to t- your generation, you have <laughs> to transfer that I'll for I'll see me. if
4: I can give you any insight. Um we'll discuss the games tonight though as well as the the playoffs picture a little bit later in the hour. We got Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA betting analyst here at the network, John Massa, very sharp on the NBA of how to beat the in Harry Gagnon in his usual Wednesday spot former sports book supervisor, host of the against all odds podcast, but we'll get the thoughts on Zion and uh, some NFL talk. When we come back here on the Lombardi line.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal. Unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
3: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. The gambling problem? Call one 4700 Zion Williamson aims to conquer a mental battle before he returns to play. Michael Lombardi. Uh, the-,
1: does the does he still <laughs> deposit the checks?
4: I think that he does. I yeah. think. What is that? The 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 extension one hundred ninety plus million dollars. So I think that he's cash and checks.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I mean, look, I, I don't want to. I'm not slighting mental health. I understand that. But it didn't seem like this was a depression thing. This is just a I can't get over the injury thing. Is that how you read that?
4: So his exact quote is, yeah. physically I'm fine.
1: That's good to know.
4: Now it's just a matter of when I feel like Zion. I know the atmosphere I'd be entering based off like the playoff experience. So now it's just a matter of when I feel like Zion. And he was asked, what exactly does that look like? And he said there aren't any specific benchmarks for being Zion.
1: So you third personed it, which is always interesting when you go to the (laughs) third person, right? I mean, that's always fascinating to me. I mean, this is who you want as your franchise guy. I mean, to me, this is why the NBA is broken. I mean, this is why it's the the commissioner who, who everybody loves, but he allows this to happen. Like at some point, you know, everybody, the NFL, their owners are too harsh and all that. They're partners in the business. Your partners in this business, you, you as a player, you're a partner with the team, because your revenue is generated from the partnership. This is why he's getting paid that, and he's letting his team down. Where's the competitive nature? Why? Why aren't people at, at, at armed at this? Now, if it's a mental situation and he's depressed, I get that, because we have to be very, very concerned about mental aspect of this. I get that, but I don't know what a Zion is. What is that?
4: I understand the issue of like when you suffer an injury, the like fear of reaggravation. He had a and hamstring.
1: A hamstring. Some kid in junior high gets a hamstring. He, you know, and he comes back. I mean. You get a hamstring. I've had a hamstring. My grandson Dominic's probably got a hamstring. I, it's a hamstring. He didn't tear it. He didn't have to go through a procedure. He got STEM. He got. Do probably, you
4: think this is him or is this people in his camp?
1: I think it's people. in I think it's him. And I think people are like, save it for next year. Why not? If you're going to keep cashing the checks. Remember, fear does the work of reason. If you're not fearful, you're going to lose anything. And he could care less what I think or his perception, which tells you he has no competitive stamina whatsoever.
4: Well, and it's awful, in my opinion, just because like, your team is in a position where there's still he potential care for less you about to his go team. on.
1: He doesn't care about played his team. played
4: 29 games this year, um, missed the final 45 with that hamstring, um, and he, he was averaging 26.7 boards and shooting 60% from the field, named an all-star
1: this year, even with the... Now, of course. I mean, he doesn't. The he, injury
4: he, kept him out of the all-star game. Of course. But an all-star and, and,
1: and the hamstring. I mean, they got guys on TV that played and, you know, and, and they've played in the league. They've had hamstrings before. And none of them are saying anything about how could a guy be, I, if he tore his hamstring. Look, te- when you're when you tear your hamstring off the bone, that's a different than pulling your hamstring, mm-hmm. right? That's a different game. This, to me, is is just, it's bizarre. And it just shows you the, this is what's wrong with the NBA. The players control things. everything.
4: Um, without Zion on the court tonight, the Pelicans still a five and a half point favorite against OKC. Total 227, like I said a little bit earlier. We will talk through... Um, the games tonight and all of the playoff picture with our guests that are going to join us throughout the course of the show. But let's get to some of the NFL news of the day. Um, starting here with Saquon Barkley, who, according to Newsday's Kim Jones, will not sign the Giants' franchise tag. And we're this, in that
1: part of the year, right now. Yep, much, that's
4: where we are. So I'm they gonna
1: turn down 10 million guaranteed. That's I'm insulted by that. Yeah, we're in that part of the world. Yeah,
4: they get the deal done with Daniel Jones, so they want to franchise Saquon and. They, all the talks were that they were still going to try to get a long-term deal done, and they're not there.
1: If I were John Mara and, and the, the New York Giants, I'd be happy to hear that he doesn't want to, you know, um, it's either play the tender or not, right? To me, I don't want to do a long-term extension for a guy that's had injury questions. I really don't. I mean, I think if you're Saquon, this is just pressure. This is exactly what happens when you're in the world's largest media network is you put pressure on the team to buckle. And if you know the team will buckle... If you know the team is very is reading the Daily News and reading Newsday and reading yeah. the New York New York uh, Post, then you you put some pressure on them. If you have an owner that doesn't care, like Mike Brown, okay, you don't want to play. Remember Jesse Bates last year? I'm not playing on the tender. Remember that? Did he? You know, I'm I'm not coming in. He came in. Yeah, <laughs> like he came in. Like who's turning ten million down other than you know uh, Le'Veon Bell, which was well, the dumbest thing of all time. And
4: this was the first. This was the first season in his career to this point where he played the whole sure. year.
1: So why not come in and take your $10 million? See, it's it's funny. Players want to be free agents, but they also want the guarantee. So what they really want is they want to be able to have a lot of money that they can deposit, and then they want to renegotiate, like DeAndre Hopkins. I've made a lot of money, but now I want more money. Like, I'll give you an example. Mike Evans, the receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he signed his deal a long time ago. So he's on the lower end of these receiver deals. And at $14 million, I think he's going to make this year. He's really kind of underpaid. But he's one of the players that the Bucks are in such dire straits cap wise. Really, they're in dire straits. That's why the Devin White coming out, I want to be traded. They can't trade Devin White until June because his cap acceleration would put them over the cap. They can't do anything with Shaq Bark with Shaq Barrett because his acceleration would put him over. They can't do anything with Evans. So they're trapped. That's this this I wanna be traded makes sense because they need to get rid of these guys. They need to get rid of Shaq Barrett who's coming off an injury and he said fourteen million. So the cap kind of plays into this. And so when you're looking at this situation, you say, Okay, if I'm Saquon, we'll play one year. We're back to being a free agent again. I mean, I don't understand. It worked for Kirk Cousins. He's gotten $231 million over his career, 229 guaranteed.
4: Well, you know why Saquon's fighting for it. It's because he's injury-prone and he wants of to course. have the security locked up of the longer-term deal. Uh, like it makes sense on his part. I sure get why he feels that way. Sure it
1: does. And they've offered, I promise you, the Giants have offered him a long-term deal because the Giants love their players. They'll yeah. overpay their players by 25%, at least.
4: Well, and look at what Daniel Jones is getting paid. And they think it's great.
1: I mean, did you listen to John Maris' commentary at the owner's meeting? He's happy with the deal. He thinks he got a steal. He thinks he got a great deal on it.
4: Because you mentioned Devin White, um, yes, the star linebacker reportedly wants out of Tampa. Jenna Lane of ESPN reporting that he is, quote, fed up um, and been increasingly frustrated with the contract talks. But the Bucks, according to Adam Schefter, want nothing to do with trading him. How do you feel about that?
1: Well, I think they want nothing. I mean, they, the Bucs have some serious cap issues. I mean, they've they really, and and this the Bucs are the under undercurrent of what the Rams have done. The Bucs haven't spent all their money on one player or two players or three players, but they've spent a lot of money. And credit the, Gla- the, the Glazier family for doing this. They, they went all in when Brady came and they got the Super Bowl. They're going to feel the repercussions of all these deals. And it's going to show up this year in the win-loss record. I mean, they are, to me, a team that could pick Caleb Williams in the the first overall pick. Next year. Yeah, because there's no chance that what we've seen from Baker Mayfield or we see from, you know, any of their prospects, Kyle Trask, at quarterback, they have no chance to really get to eight wins. They're they're at five and a half, I think it is, on the win total. And I think that's – to get to six wins with this team – I don't see it. When you take Brady out of the equation, you take that competitive stamina, that drive, and you get a bunch of guys in the room that are really not happy with their contracts and, and there's a lot of uncertainty, it can go from bad to worse.
4: Uh, is Cliff Kingsbury going to get Caleb Williams all coached up? You see him get, getting added to the staff over there at USC with Lincoln I got Riley the this sense.
1: Week? I'm sure Arizona put a lot of pressure on, on, on uh, Cliff to take a job. Remember in the NFL, you can't double dip. So when you get fired, you have an obligation to the team that fired you to seek employment somewhere. You just can't sit on an island and just go to Thailand and stay pretend. In Thailand. <laughs> you have to sh- because if you do that, if you try to do that, they'll say, well, you're not trying to get work. Now that doesn't mean he's going to get paid five million a year at USC. No, he's going to get paid a I'm sure a, a, a salary commensurate to the position he has. But you have to do that. So it takes the heat off. Remember, he wanted to live in LA anyway. So, you know, it makes sense. And that, that release, I read the release on his hiring, was very specific that Lincoln Riley is running the offense. But to me, this is a better move for Lincoln because Lincoln's passing game, I'll let you in on a secret, is, a, is not very good. Lincoln does not have a pro passing game. I don't care what anybody says. It's a run offense, play action pass. It's a misdirection. It's kind of we're going to mess around with mm-hmm. you and fool you. Cliff will help him a lot.
4: Okay, that's good. To, well, I know that the expectation was when he came in Arizona and he brought in Kyler Murray that they were going to take him to the next level and he never really got there. But, at least but Cliff, he has with other players. He,
1: Cliff has a, pa- a pro-passing offense. Yeah,
4: has the I mean, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, Lincoln
1: um, Riley does not have a pro-passing offense. I mean, that, he's not a bad coach. He's, he's doing what he does well in college. I'm not t- saying that, but it's not a pro-passing game. Let's not confuse it.
4: Still to come in the NFL, we have an update on, or lack thereof, perhaps, on Aaron Rodgers. Tua Tunga Bailoa has a mustache, and he's getting ready for a long season this Let's coming year. It. whole lot more. You won't oh, want to miss man, it. Oh, man, I can't <laughs> wait.
3: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network.
4: Call your shot every Wednesday at BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Place a $25 home run prop wager on any game, and you'll receive a $10 bonus bet. Simply log into your account and opt in or download the app and sign up with BetMGM to swing for the fences on MLB Call Your Shot Wednesdays. It's just one more reason why the King of Sportsbook is the best place to bet on baseball. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to place, please play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older, new and existing customer offer, all promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please Gamble responsibly gambling problem called 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, and New York. And Michael, speaking of baseball, did you see the Tampa Bay Rays did it again yesterday? What's that,
1: with 12 in a row? 11 in 11 a row. 11 in a row. Wow.
4: 11 straight. They beat the Red Sox yesterday, 7 2. Third best opening stretch in Major League Baseball history. 13 is the record. So we'll see if they can continue to creep their way up. Granted, interesting, like... Interesting
1: it ends on 13, right? The unlucky number. <laughs> right.
4: But, I mean, granted, some of these series wins have been over, like, the Nationals and the Oakland A's. There's, and, there's but a lot still. of tanking
1: going on in the, in the Major League Baseball, isn't there? Already? Well, I mean, the A's, they're not even... Are the they A's trying?
4: aren't trying to tank. I they mean, just are not good.
1: Yeah, they're like the... What are they, like, the, the, the Major League team, the Indians? Is that what they were? They're just, like, <laughs> giving up,
3: right?
4: That's bad. Um, the interesting thing about this, too... Not only just from a betting perspective, not only have they won every game straight up, but 10 of the 11 games, they've also covered not only a run line, but an alt run line. Like, they are winning these games at margin. So just fun fact for you there before we get back to the NFL. And uh, the news that, or lack thereof, like I kind of said earlier, that apparently there's not the belief that a deal with Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets will get done before the draft. Did you make anything of that?
1: I think it's really good. If I'm a Jet fan, I'm happy about that because I'm going to add a full draft to Aaron Rodgers, and then I'm going to trade away picks for Aaron Rodgers that are going to be not as valuable as the picks that I would give up today. So I think it's great. I've said this all along. The Jets have have no reason to make a deal before Mm -hmm. Thursday of the draft. They keep their number one pick. They put that player on their team. And since they've moved all their chips to the middle of the table, they might as well go all in. I think it's great. If I'm Green Bay, what what good would Green Bay do? See, th- again, w- let's talk about this. I'll trade you a one for Aaron Rodgers. People hear that, oh, my God, I got a one for Aaron Rodgers. No, I'm trading you a player for Aaron Rodgers. That player is going to end up being somewhere in the bottom, Say, let's say 28, 29. Yeah. Let's be – jet optimistic and say it's 32 so i'm going to trade you a player at 32 who's really a second round value that you got to pay a first round price for for aaron Rodgers. that's a pretty good deal Mm -hmm. when you look at it i mean like we talked about you traded khalil Mack, or no you traded uh amari cooper and you end up with jonathan abram would you you'd make that deal if you're dallas every day every day of the week right yep And so no one looks at the trades from the standpoint of who they they, – got a one for them. Well, if the one doesn't turn out, what good is the one? If the one's not a good player, what good is the one? The other one that drives me – crazy. this was an Al Davis thing. It drove him crazy. He would say all the time, you know, it takes two number ones to get Lamar Jackson. And he would say, no, it takes one. Because you would it just
4: depends on what the player is, who the player is. Right. Lamar's Lamar, you're not
1: picking somebody as good as Lamar in the first, so you're getting a player for that one one, and now it's costing you an extra. It's not like you're giving up two things, right? You're giving up one.
4: No, that's a good point. Immediately though, when I saw the report from Schefter, I was like, This is what you've been saying all along, is that why why rush it if you're the Jets?
1: Especially when you know the Jets do that Dave Dunn, the agent for Aaron Rodgers and Aaron himself are completely committed to playing for you. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no doubt they're not playing for you. So you just sit tight. And I'm sure Aaron's probably whispering to his agent to tell the Jets, relax, it's all good. Like, let's make sure we get another receiver or let's get a a, a tackle. Because where the Jets are going to pick, I think that'll be where the tackle market really starts with this in the NFL. I mean, they can get themselves another offensive lineman, which they need.
4: And imagine how much Rodgers is going to love that they're using that pick on something he wants, whereas a big sticking point and issue that he's had with the Green Bay Packers for the last however many years is that they don't consult him, they don't get him the weapons or the, the people oh. that he needs to have him have more success. So He's
1: involved. He's fully very engaged. Involved, yeah. So at 13, you know, at 13, I think the offensive lineman – market will start somewhere around eight. Atlanta doesn't, it won't pick one they've paid. So Chicago down to Washington could be the offensive lineman market.
4: You know what? I, I teased earlier that we would talk about Tua in this segment, but I'm going to push that to a little bit later because I know that you in your like life as a scout and as a GM, you're very good at evaluating offensive linemen and, and defensive linemen as well. But for this, this offensive lineman class, it seems like, Peter Skaronsky uh, and Paris Johnson are kind of the top two, and it's flip-flopped, whereas Skoronsky was the favorite. He is no longer, and Paris Johnson is to be the first offensive lineman drafted. How do you evaluate those two?
1: You know, I, I think I think you have to put him in the right category, right? So I think Skronsky's more of a guard. I don't think he's going to play left tackle in the NFL. If he does, then no one's going to pick him at the value at, say, 11, 10, 9. I think Broderick Jones here at plus 700 is probably the most athletic. I think Harrison from Oklahoma is another guy. The two guys at the bottom of this list, to me, are more at the top of the list Okay. in the way I see it. Dar- Dar- Darnell Wright is a really good player. Dar- Darnell Wright is, from a background, that's really been tough on him. And so you're going to have to, you know, what are you getting? He's kind of a loner kid. He's not a typical offensive lineman type player. Uh, Part of it because of his upbringing and and the harshness that he had to go through, which a lot of these kids do. We don't know about the stories. You know, if you spend any time working on an NFL draft and you hear some of these stories of what these kids have had to overcome in their lifetime, it's really somewhat remarkable. Uh, Paris Johnson is a good player, but I think a lot of teams have Harrison and Jones rated ahead of him.
4: That's very interesting. So if you were one of those teams that's in the market for an offensive lineman early, who would you pick?
1: Uh, that that's a great question. I am probably and I'm working through that. I'm probably going to pick uh, probably I'm I might go Broderick Jones or Anton Harrison. Broderick Jones's wow. numbers at the combine were unbelievable. He's, you know, he's got great size, he's got great speed, you know, he's got a great lower body, you, you know, and so he he meets all the classifications of what what an offensive lineman needs to do. Harrison's the same thing. And they throw the ball and they can protect. I think the question you have to ask yourself, are they worthy? Are they both are going to start at left tackle in the NFL? They'll both be better than Jonah Williams from Alabama, who went wherever he went in the first round, who's playing for the who now has to move over to right tackle because he really isn't a left tackle. I think both these guys are right are left tackles. I think Darnell Wright is a is a right tackle. I think Paris Johnson can play right ta- left tackle as well. I just think Jones and Harrison are better.
4: Uh, Broderick Jones out of Georgia, seven to one to be the first uh, offensive lineman off the board. Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, forty to one. Jones, his player prop for over under position is at thirteen and a half. The under is two dollars, so it's it's expensive for him to go under. But do you think he goes uh, Jets or sooner?
1: You know, I, I think I think he. What was his number again?
4: 13 and a half.
1: Yeah, that, see, that's the sweet spot, I think, here. Houston could use one. Tennessee certainly could use one. Now, Tennessee, we think they could move. Philly, you know, they have to find a replacement for Lane Johnson. I mean, I think one of these things when you're dealing with offensive tackles, especially if you feel like you can get a legitimate starter at left tackle in the middle of the first round, you have yeah. to take it.
4: Um, Paris Johnson, like I said, minus 115 favorite to be the top offensive lineman taken out of Ohio State. And Skaronsky, because you mentioned the discussion of whether or not he's going to be a guard or a tackle in the NFL level, he has he has the capability of playing both did in college. But playing in the Big Ten, um, is that a concern for a player like him? That's not exactly a conference that's known for guys coming off the edge. Yeah. And so the the difference, like he grades out obviously very, very well for the teams that he's played, but how does that translate? Well, I mean,
1: he's not exactly he's his length of his arms are not great. You know, so he plays he's got shorter arms. He's under 33 arm length. And so he the game is suits more for you can just see here. Look how short his arms are. Yeah, you know, and that's not what you want at the tackle position. You want a guy who's got long arms who can make them run the corner. What you can't do is have somebody who can't really push and stay off. So I think this is there's a complete disconnect here. We have to understand. There's the the, there's the people that evaluate that are outside of teams and the people that evaluate for teams. There is a huge void in between those. And because we constantly work on the same names all the time, we don't think there's that void. We think there's symmetry between mocks and teams boards. That's not the case. That's not the case at all. And it's so easy to say, well, this is my top guy. And then it's not. I mean, you know, you'll talk to five or six different teams. I mean, there's a lot of questions about can Paris Johnson play left tackle? Is he going? Is he a wastebender? Can he handle it? Broderick Jones, it's the same thing. I mean, there's if these guys were plug and play elite, Anthony Munoz type guys, mm-hmm. like when he came out, you know, they would they would be the first second pick overall in the draft.
4: Well, and I do I think that's interesting though. Your point of like while the odds show that those two guys are the best right and they sh- should be the first ones taken that the disparity it like there's there shouldn't the drop off in actual talent and who these guys are and who are the better players doesn't necessarily jive with what the odds are in a number of these markets so keep that in mind as you're kind of doing your research and deciding what bets that you want to place we're going to take a quick break but we are back to the nba when we come back Zone, a senior nba betting analyst jonathan von tobel is going to stop by the program
3: Or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network.
4: There is so much to bet on over the next 30 days. And remember, everybody, for a limited time, you can subscribe to v just $9.99. That gets you insight to daily baseball best bets, NBA, and NHL postseason, the Kentucky Derby, as well as the upcoming NFL Draft. Only VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to the daily recap of top plays made by VEASAN show hosts and guests. You get tools like our betting splits, Lacey, where the money and bets are moving for every game. Also, a top VEASAN experts leaderboard now to view betting records, profit, and ROI and see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. Sign up now. Again, just 999 at VEASAN.com slash Subscribe. Welcoming into the program, our guy, Jonathan Von Toble, Visin's senior NBA expert, also host of the Hardwood Handicappers podcast. Pod out right now, by the way, Michael, previewing um, all the play in and first round set matchups, write ups for every game as well on, on vison.com. What's going on, JVT? How are you?
5: Uh, I'm good. Very busy. Uh, a new episode of Harvard Handicappers will drop later today. Kelly and I are recording in about 45 minutes after I get done talking with you guys. And as of this morning, the Lakers-Grizzlies series preview is up in our NBA playoff hub, so make sure you check that up at vsun.com. Did you agree with Barkley last night that that was a horrible game? <laughs> um, I, I, didn't, actually I didn't hear him. Was he, was he saying Lakers-Timberwolves He's, was horrible? Yeah, or, he said uh, that
4: was some horrible basketball as soon as they <laughs> opened up the studio show game.
5: I didn't think so. I mean, it was dramatic, so I guess that kind of counterbalances it. But the fourth quarter definitely wasn't great, especially with the Lakers getting a parade to the free throw line like they usually do. And the end was cool, right? Like when you see a a, a foul on a three-point shot and a dude's got to hit all three free throws to tie the game and go to overtime, it wasn't the worst. Actually, I thought Barkley's, I don't know if you heard this guy's, when he uh, when they were previewing some of the series in the East and he told America, Don't watch. Like it's it's not gonna be worth your time when tnt T's got a couple of them. I thought it was pretty good. And what was he referring
1: to? Was he referring what East games? I mean, the all the East games, does he just think it's Boston, Milwaukee like I do?
5: Yeah, well, I think he was referring to, like, because I think they were previewing your 76ers versus Brooklyn. Don't call them and, mine. I, don't call them <laughs> mine. And uh, I think that, you know, there's not a lot of watching value in terms of Brooklyn, Philly, if it plays out the way many things. So I think he was just talking from, like, an interst- entertainment standpoint. Whoever gets the Bucks, whoever gets the Celtics, as we know, it's now the Hawks, and then that series, probably some walkovers.
4: Real quickly, before we get to the games that are coming in tonight, what was the more surprising result for you last night? The, the Lakers and, I mean, the way that they had to win that game, or? Or the Hawks coming out on top.
5: I think it was. I think it was the Lakers, right? So, So, I was on the Hawks yesterday. So, I I figured they could be competitive, win that game, cover obviously, and they all end up winning. I guess you could quibble with the degree to which they won, right? It did look like Miami was getting back into that thing, cut it to I think four at one point, if I remember correctly. But the Hawks did a good job of keeping them away and ultimately winning that thing comfortably. But I think it's what you hit on. It's the way that the Lakers had to win. Given the fact that the three players, remember three, right? It's not just Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert and Jaden McDaniels. Nas Reed is also out too. So missing three key rotation guys and having to be forced to go to overtime with that team, I think that was somewhat surprising. That was a in look for the Lakers, is it going to be tough when a team is hitting over 50% of their shots and like hitting every single three-pointer? And guys like Mike Conley are going, what was he, four or five from three-point range or whatever, whatever it was? Sure, some of that is out of your control. But I was really surprised with the way they struggled, specifically on offense in the early part of that game. I thought they'd have a little bit of a better time. So I think you're going with the Lakers in that one, Storm. I
1: I mean, there were 53 minutes in the game. LeBron played 45. I mean, there's no way he can sustain that pace as we go forward.
5: Yeah, I would say I would agree with you, Michael. I, I guess I... I think the rebuttal would be that that's a play in and you want to get in. So you're going to maximize your minutes, right? Cause it's a foe. It's not a must win, right? Ridge Miller called it a, uh, a game seven. When in reality, it's more like a game six. Like you'd really like to win it and get over with, but you still have some wiggle room there. Um, but I I think that's probably why. I would think that going forward now when you have a best of seven where you've got multiple outs here that LeBron's not going to play over 40 minutes per game. I I think the Lakers just really wanted to get that because I also think they kind of wanted Memphis. I think that's the other part of that, Michael. I don't think they want to go to Denver. I think they match up really well with Memphis given all the injuries, and I think that's part of the urgency I think we saw from them in terms of their rotations.
4: Disrespectful or appropriate, the Grizz only a minus 120 favorite is a two-seed.
5: I think it's appropriate, Stormy. I don't know if people realize how banged up this Grizzlies team is. Like, Brandon Clark is not playing. He tore his Achilles. Steven Adams is done for the postseason. He's got that injury as well. I think it's a knee or an ankle. Like, this is a really, really thin front court for the Memphis Grizzlies. And and one of the things that I wrote about today, and, like, everybody's always going to focus on John Morant. And the way I put it in the write-up and on Twitter, which was, you know— you don't focus on John Morant. The hopes of the Memphis Grizzlies lie on the shoulders of Jaron Jackson Jr. He is their best defensive player. He's their best front court piece to match up with Anthony Davis. But, guys, he's got a foul problem. He averages three and a half fouls, personal fouls per game. And if he's not going to be out there on the floor, if he gets into foul trouble, well, that's a really big issue because now all of a sudden you're talking about Xavier Tillman, Santi Aldama, David Roddy. Like, those are really undersized front court options. Xavier Tillman's been starting at center. He's six foot eight and 225. Like he's not a really true center. And so if all of a sudden Jaron Jackson, who, by the way, in the games that they played against Los Angeles Lakers in the regular season, he averaged five personnel fouls per game. (laughs) If he's not going to be out there, well, now all of a sudden, your weakest position becomes that much thinner. Your best defender's not out there on the floor. And on the flip side, your offense is already pretty inconsistent in half-court settings. So, Stormy, I think it's appropriate. I think if you're playing this, you can bet the Lakers to win this thing at a plus 105. You can go some different ways as well. I I wouldn't say no to laying a game and a half with the Lakers, like an alt-line mm-hmm. there at a plus 165 or so. I think that this series, man, is just... It works so well for the Lakers because of what's going on with the injury situation in the front court for the Memphis Grizzlies. So would you play the Lakers 4-2 at plus
1: 350,
5: JVT? Yeah, I think you can do that, Michael, or you know, you can go in terms of if you don't want to tie yourself to a specific result, laying those games if you want a little bit of a plus price, or plus price if I could talk. So at minus one and a half, that gives yeah. you 4-2, that gives you 4-1. Should that actually come into fruition? It gives you a sweep if that's going to ultimately be the case at a small plus price. But I think, yes, like if you're looking to navigate this, Because I thought it was going to be minus 120. So, like, at minus 125, there's a little bit of value there in the Lakers if you just want to play the series outright. But I think you're attacking it in little different ways. And I think looking at the Lakers from plus one and a half games – to actually winning outright, to laying one and a half, I think those are all viable, like in plus EV outcomes. If you want to go and play those for Los Angeles.
4: Okay, good stuff uh, here with Jonathan Von Tobel, senior NBA betting expert here at Vsin. Let's help some people make some money tonight. We got two play-in games ahead: Bulls, Raptors, and Thunder. Um, the OKC <laughs> Thunder taking on the Pelicans without Zion Williamson. Even though
1: he's physically fine, so he's uh, not Zion. He's waiting to find the Zion. Let's just give him time. <laughs>
4: How are you playing? It was, it, it was a weird interview for sure.
5: Um, actually, so if you want to, if you want to, to t- take a leaf out of Charles Barkley's book, uh, to save America, I would say don't watch the games. Um, no, look, because <laughs> I actually. To be quite honest, guys, the thing I'm waiting for. Let's go to Thunder Pelicans. If it gets to six, I'll I'll put a little uh, a little bit on the Oklahoma City Thunder. But outside of that, I didn't really have any plays. But to focus on that game for a second, it, it is a fascinating game because you get two. And I know people don't like to watch this in the NBA. But you get two awesome defensive matchups. You get Lou Dort, who's going to take on Brandon Ingram, who since February 1st has been playing unreal basketball, over 26 points per game, over six assists per game on 51% shooting from the floor. He's been tremendous, shooting nearly 40% from three, and he gets one of the better on-ball defenders in the NBA on him in Lou Dort. On the flip side, Shea gilders Alexander is going to face Herb Jones quite a bit. Herb Jones, a, tr- a, a tremendous wing defender for the New Orleans Pelicans in his own right, so you get these really cool and fun matchups. But I do think when you look at like the last few game or the the games that they played in the regular season, there's not a lot to take from them because Ingram only played in one game, and you know there's different scenarios. But you go back and watch it, a couple of things stick out. One, Jonas Valanciunas may be in a little bit of a tough spot here because the Thunder want to run, and they're not going to be super effective when they run. But it's going to be pretty bad for Jonas Valanciunas. And you saw in the last matchup that these two teams played, a guy like Jackson Hayes, who's barely part of the rotation anymore, actually got over 30 minutes in that game because he's a little bit more spry, a little bit more athletic. He can get up and down the floor a little bit more, so it puts the Pelicans in a little bit of a different position. So maybe looking at Valanciunas' unders is going to be a way to go here too if he gets played off the floor once again. But I think when you're talking about six points for the Oklahoma City Thunder, the way they can get up and down the floor, the star level that they have, Mark Dagonal is a, tr- is a tremendous coach in his own right. They are one of the better defensive teams in the NBA, top 15 in a lot of different categories, and top 10 in many others. I, I think that six is my buy point. So I didn't have anything there. Uh, I'm going to grab six. And the other game, too, just to go through it really quickly, uh, it's going to be boring. It, it's a 214 and a half total. These two teams play pretty good dif- defense. I think that the Raptors have a little bit of an edge here, and I think the market is getting this right, pushing it up. But we're at to the point where I think I got my screen. Is it five or six? I think it's six.
3: We're kind of yeah, getting to the six. point where...
5: Yeah, we're kind of getting to the point where it's like, ah, it's maybe a little too much. I would lean toward the Bulls, but I think ultimately what I'm waiting for is a six with uh, the Thunder, and I'll buy in.
4: Good stuff, JVT. Do you have a uh, a favorite series bet for the series that are posted?
5: Uh, Yeah, you know, let's go to the, the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Clippers, and look, I, I do think the probability of the Suns winning this is not as high as the market would indicate, and we've seen some pushback, right? Like the DraftKings, for example, highest on the market at minus 600 is down to like minus 550. So we're starting to see a little bit of walk back there. But I think, Stormy, when you could find the Clippers at plus two and a half games at a really cheap price in that series, that's, I think, something to go with. Because, again, now you're saying, all right, they're not going to get swept. They're not going to lose in five. And I think that's a perfectly viable outcome. I think people are sleeping on the Clippers, actually working some things out post-Paul George injury. Those Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard lineups have been working tremendously. Terrence Mann, when he's on the floor without Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, has a plus 5.8 net rating the Clippers do. Mm. They're starting to really figure some things out. I think they're going to be a lot more competitive, big-bodied, switchable. And am I saying that they'll win the thing outright? No, I put a small bet on them to win it because I think the probability is a lot higher than the market says. But I think the real bet there is plus 2.5 games. Great I have word. been
4: one of the people sleeping on them because I have that 12-1 te- that to 1 Clippers ticket that I just hate right now, but hey, if you're telling me it can be competitive, that makes me feel a little bit better. Thank you. Appreciate the time, Jonathan.
5: Good to talk to you guys. Thank you. This is like the fourth person that's called me Jonathan on this network.
4: As I said it, it felt weird. I don't know if it's for me. (laughs) Good stuff from JVT. We'll get back to the NFL when we come back here on the Lombardi line.
2: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80.